0: to let you know you are being recorded.
1: Yay! Yeah, I'm being recorded! I can't believe it. After right. 20 minutes of amazing podcasting Con- gold content, just, like, we, content. Yeah, as I, I discovered, Greg
0: sold content. all his Dave Cockrum X-Men books and like, instead of letting me have a first chance at you them, know, even though he knows I love Dave Cockrum. Like,
1: I know, I know, but you know... And it's
0: not Dave Cockrum on Legion, but jeez... I have those. Those are cheap. You can buy those for a dollar. I sometimes sometimes
1: <laughs> it's just one of those things where you're just like, hey, do I do I let Dan keep adding to the the horde? Yes. In- <laughs>
0: for those.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. For those. <laughs> or or do I do I, you know, like pepper the comic books in. No, to the, you the don't. Stuff at the term for him, you know. I know what Dan would want, but I know what the people want. And it these are our what the people comics
0: want in this case.
1: These are the people's comics.
0: Well, you, you yeah, <laughs> you're, you're just being an idiot. So that's uh, <laughs> oh, oh, Well, uh, there's been some sickness in the Retro Emporium household, so we oh wanted to gosh. keep it easy and simple yeah. uh, this episode, and it's the start of a new year, and what yeah. it, what book is better to indicate a new start for several reasons? Right. Uh Then giant size X-Men number one.
1: Hey, giant size X-Men number one. It's giant size. It's X-Men and it's number one.
0: And and, and let's set some ground rules for this book. I'm going to tell you what we're not going to do. What are we not going to do? We are not... Going to try to cover every angle possible on giant size X-Men number one, because
1: but why not? There's so many angles we could cover on X-Men, yeah. giant size X-Men number one. There yeah.
0: are many angles we could cover. Uh This is one that's been overanalyzed to death. So How? I'm sure people have reviewed it many, many times. Who? Uh, everyone. Not us. It's, well, it's one of the most famous books. We haven't. Comics.
1: We've never. No, we haven't.
0: It. No. No. Well, we've kind of talked about it because I've talked about A Dave Cockrum yeah. moving from Legion to X Men. Yeah, and, and I know I've mentioned on the podcast that Dave Cockrum's art was responsible for the number two selling book at DC in the 1980s and the number one selling book at Marvel in the 1980s. Yeah, and and I, and I should say his art, but his art designs, right?
1: Like his, his designs, characters, his his amazingness that he brought to the page from his mind.
0: Yes, so obviously that happens. So we'll talk a little bit about that. You're going to cover a little bit of probably X Men lead up into this when I don't know what I'm talking about because I've never read them. And, and you are this mad book came out had the year X-Men. I was born.
1: And you were you're like, oh, yeah, the X-Men and he just like sold him off. And I'm so mad that he just like didn't tell me about him. And here's a guy that's never read him and he's mad that I just got rid of him. Well,
0: I didn't read the pre-Cockram X-Men and and Claremont. That's correct. Right. This uh-huh. Len Wein book is and then it's it's Claremont. Yeah, I would have taken Cochram and Claremont books a billion times over They're yeah, y- y- you're 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 killing me because, you know, exactly I, what I'm you're you're like I, being ridiculous. Know. You know, exactly I, the ones that I like. And then I you're like, I did sold those. I was bored with them.
1: I, I know. Well, I mean, and and I, I find it funny to like when I when I opened up the the message from you and I <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm like lose my voice here a little bit. But I said, oh, what? this? you know, I, I mentioned what this was. And my wife was like, oh, so like you usually read, uh, you know, so I, I read I I I this is one of my one of my annual reads. This is definitely in my pile of stuff that I I would cover in my own like, oh, hey, yeah, it's that time of year. And pull it out, dust it off and, you know, check back in. with well, the and, team. I,
0: <laughs> and I should, you know, I need to add to your annual year, like the Legion introduction to Wildfire, like sure. two years before. Right. Because then you would yeah. get double Cockrum graded, you know, <laughs> right? like, it's oh. like yeah! you, need, you need you need a couple of them. Of course you did. It. Well, and the funny thing here is I think like we're going to get into future artists later, but uh, I'll just OK. So we are covering Giant Size X-Men number one. Yes. And the very first annoying thing about Giant Size X-Men number one is they hired Dave Cockrum away from D.C.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Put him on X-Men to relaunch it. Yes. And it had Gil Kane draw the cover. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with Dave Cockrum's designs. Now, what are Gil Kane's strengths? A faces or B costume design? <laughs> yes, <laughs> faces, faces. And the faces on here ain't that great. They're um, actually, that's not true. The 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 blue wash faces, the black and white faces in the background yeah. of yeah. the old X Men. Oh yeah, are Those fantastic. Are awesome. Uh, and then it's like he's like, well, I don't get to draw the book, so I'm going to draw all the faces on the Cockrum characters terribly.
1: Yeah, no, those those blue wash faces of uh, of X X Men team, uh, futures past, <laughs> like <laughs> that's they are um,
0: they are like, It's almost like Gil Kane was saying, "I'm going to draw the Silver Age beautifully and the Bronze Age terribly."
1: Yeah, they look. I mean, on purpose. Storm Storm's looking pretty. Contorted, contorted, and yeah, Wolverine's got a like he looks like a rubber stamp, and
0: I everybody, everybody has else, white eyes. Yeah, or no, yellow like, eyes, but nobody has pupils. Like, there are no nightcrawler pupils. looks
1: like a rubber stamp. Um, yeah, Thunderbird looking pretty bad. Cyclops is not even looking like good.
0: Cyclops looks like looks like he's going diving. Yeah, so. It's it's super interesting because we get giant size X-Men number one and and there are two interesting things about it right off. Right. One, you have a Gil Kane cover. Yeah. uh, And and two, Len Wein writes it and it's and then Len Wein co-plots with Chris Claremont for the next few issues. But then it's Claremont's book for the next, you know, 15 years. Mm -hmm. More than that. 18 years. Right. Because he was well into 93. Right. Yeah. So. You're talking because he still held uncanny even when Jim Lee was drawing. Right. I believe. Yeah. And when they relaunched it, number one, I forget. Did Jim Lee write and draw it?
1: Um, I think he did write and draw and continued on for gee, a
0: bit. Can, yeah. Until he, went like, to, until he went to Image.
1: Until he went to Image. Yeah. It was his book until then.
0: So. And then they tried to bring back Claremont in the book in the. Was it with Extreme X-Men?
1: Extreme X-Men.
0: And then they tried to bring Claremont back again on the book, uh, but Claremont had a good fifteen-year run. 15, he had a eighteen-year run. So, he had a
1: pretty good chunk of time, and then he did a, a, like a couple of really interesting things with uh, I want to say um, additional not like additional characters that were bringing bringing characters into different. Different storylines that were not under, I think you know, like that were underutilized in previous previous stories. So I found like that a lot of stuff that was brought into these runs
0: were really yeah. Really but I, I mean, let's be honest. Chris Claremont's yeah. known for the X universe, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, um, yeah.
1: I mean, if it a lot of what he did definitely turned into the movies, and a lot of the movie matter isn't the best stories per se because if you take a listen to a ton of different podcasts. I'm not talking like let's chop up the X-Men stories and talk about all the different stories. I'm talking about like um, there's, there's some really fantastic X-Men podcasts that are just um, let's go through and do like an audio uh, audio podcast telling of the X-Men and they do a great job in giving you a very cinematic uh, story for the brain story for the mind uh, podcast. And it's a much better cinematic universe.
0: (laughs) Sure. But the Claremont run. Okay. The world creation, you know, including new mutants, right. Including, uh, uh, Weezy, Weezy wrote uh, X factor. Right. Mm -hmm. And so before she went over to do Superman, right. At DC Mm -hmm. and, uh, Claremont, but she was working with Claremont on the whole, universe right it wasn't just when they brought X Factor and they only brought X Factor back because of the popularity of X-Men right yeah so an X Factor for those don't know that was that was the relaunch of the original X team X-Men team Mm -hmm. and New Mutants and then yeah I mean it's just it's uh it was his universe for a long long time and New Mutants, you know X-Factor,
1: Alpha Flight uh, like all the different all the different team books that And I've out seen sad
0: him. Chris Claremont sitting at conventions before with nobody <coughs> at his table I'm like what the hell
1: but it, admittedly too
0: like Chris Claremont got mad after he was put off of X-Men and went to DC which is to be expected right and then because uh, st- it's still unclear why they thought they needed to take him off of X Men, and when they were at their height, selling a million issues, right? It didn't yeah. make any sense. And then, because they were on, a, they were on a kick for new art, new artists, and they lost all those new artists to. Well, we know Jim Shooter's an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jim Shooter's on a kick for new artists. was so like, let's Claremont's been on the book too long. Let's get him off of there. And off. maybe that was true, except they were selling a million copies and the story quality went way down. And that ended up being part of the downfall of comics in the 90s. Because yeah. X-Men Freezed In is like the strongest, you know, the strongest franchise in comics. Right. And the the downgrade of the X-Men storytelling quality with the pretty art was part of its downfall. Mm hmm. And, of course, you know, they were also like, well, uh, X-Force, they got in there. That's amazing. We love this uh, new violent shit, you know. We got to get Claremont out of there. And uh, and I'm not saying Claremont was perfect. I mean, we have some terrible fucking characters that came out of that run. But, of course, you're going to have. You have terrible characters. It's 18 fucking years, right? Like, there's going to be some characters that aren't great. Right, right. That's going to happen. Uh, but what I think people forget, and we're talking about Claremont. Claremont's not even the author for the writer for the first story. No. Len Wein is the writer for the first story. Yeah, and all the concepts came from a guy named that people don't talk about because he was only on the book for two years, and then John Byrne takes over as the as the artist, right? With Claremont is Dave Cockrum, and Dave Cockrum is as responsible. Uh, I want to say as responsible, probably the most responsible person for the X-Men. Claremont creates the universe, but Dave Cockrum creates the characters. The, the uncanny <laughs> X-Men. <laughs> yeah. Cause without,
1: without Dave Cockrum, you don't get the designs. You don't get the, the, the actual characters. <laughs>
0: And Cockrum even was Beyond Designs, right? He's into the backstory matter, too, Mm -hmm. because he uses the backstory matter. Cockrum used to study fashion magazines of the time and then try to draw runway fashions onto superheroes. And if you look at Storm's costume, it's very much that. If you look at. Oh, yeah. If you look at uh, if you look at Colossus's costume. Yeah it's very much something you try to put together that would only work on a runway, right? Like, it would Definitely. not work in real society.
1: Yeah, and, uh, same with and, Thunderbird. Like, yeah, it's yeah. not something. Uh, it, and and the same, when you take a look at it, it's really interesting, too. Like, you take a look at, like, Nightcrawler, and, the you know, you've, everybody's seen the meme out there. Oh, it's a demonic Captain Neo. But, you know, Nightcrawler's outfit did spawn a very... Interesting design based off of what Dick Cockrum like created based off of his fashion love, his love for fashion and high high fashion, and high form, yeah. right? Well,
0: and the so, other thing with Cockrum, I mean, if you know the history of the Nightcrawler character, uh, Cockrum had been drawing Nightcrawler for years before he ever made a first appearance. Cockrum had pitched versions of Nightcrawler to DC and had been drawing Nightcrawler forever. Like this was. He was pitching Nightcrawler to D.C. as early as 71, I think. Oh. And he's got there's if you get the I have three different Dave Cochran books. <laughs> We're going to be referencing one of them. <laughs> the Life and Art of Dave Cochrane by Glenn Cadigan. But I have two uh, one I bought specifically when he was dying of cancer that was used to support his treatment, if you can believe it, because, you know, he's a comic book artist, yet none of the freaking comic book companies he worked for would actually like help him with health insurance or anything when he was dying. So I have one of those books. And yeah, I mean, he was drawing he had drawn Nightcrawler several times. He would drawn Nightcrawler into some back matter for a group called The Outsiders. He was pitching to D.C., he was also pitching two other groups called well one other group called the Devastators or the Anhali- Annihilators and Anni- Annihilators. I almost called them the Annihilators, which is a, a great. <laughs> uh, but he was he was pitching basically uh, he was pitching other. He was trying to universe build uh, in the in the 30th century. And DC just wasn't ready for it because he was revitalizing the Legion of Superheroes at the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh-huh. And, and so Legion starts to catch on in sales. And as Legion is catching on in sales, uh, he's like, "Okay, let's pitch some more world building here." The the sad part is, DC could have had all of this.
1: They could have had all these characters.
0: They could have had all of this, and DC's like, "Nah, no, uh, we don't want this." And then, I guess the back matter I want to share that I've referenced before is Dave Cockrum. So this is how it ties to last week, folks. We covered a tabloid issue. Yes, And Dave Cockrum drew a tabloid issue with the marriage of Bouncing Boy and Duo Damsel. And huh. people often call Bouncing Boy the luckiest legionnaire mm-hmm. because he's married to Duo Damsel. I see. You see. You're not even a pop for that. You're just going to be like, I'm going to no sell you there. Yeah, thank you. Yay! Hey, do- Duo Damsel. Yay! Wow, yeah, you suck. So, it's... <laughs> it is uh but he basically so he draws these huge tabloid pages pages right and he draws this amazing tabloid page that has like all the legionnaires standing on these round uh, elevated platforms uh-huh. and basically the writers i think paul levitz actually had something to do with it but Paul Levitts like liked to do things to get rid of. It may have been Shooter. It may have been Levitz, I can't remember. But right at the exact time period, I think it still might have been Shooter. Even, but they like to get rid of sometimes get rid of characters that were hard to write, oh. like Bouncing Boy and Duo Damsel. A well, Bouncing Boy can bounce, and Duo Damsel can split into two.
1: Two. It's better than one.
0: Yes. In the 30th century, maybe not the most you know <laughs> exotic or useful power, right? So, uh, but he draws this beautiful spread he draws basically all a whole ton of characters and he just goes to DC and he's like, he goes to more Weisinger and he's like, Hey, I would like my art back from that book. And they, I, th- they, he says they promised it to him. They say they didn't, uh, but they won't return his art. So he quit. Oh, <laughs> just straight up. And at the height of his popularity, relaunching a book, yeah. uh, he quits. Now, One major difference that we're going to see in Cockrum's history here is that Mike Grell takes over the Legion for Cockrum. And Mike Grell does some tracing, but Mike Grell also creates himself. And so there are new costumes and more things that keep coming in the Legion. And the Legion keeps getting popular almost solely on Mike Grell's art. Because I'm going to tell you that the Carrie Bates and Jim Shooter stories weren't Mm -hmm. the thing that was carrying it. Uh, Uh, It wasn't much later until... Paul Levitz gets like a six year run on Legion when it really takes off, which you're going to notice a the theme here. Writer long run with great art results in sales, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: at least back then, at least in the Bronze yeah. Age. Right. And yeah, yeah. Uh, and and the 80s. Right now, sense. I don't know that that works right now. It's a lot of times it's like put a great artist and writer together that people know about and give them mm-hmm. a 12 issue run on something.
1: Yeah. And then let and it then see, hope that sells. And right. if it doesn't, then, you know, take take it, throw it away, and then, like, uh, let something else happen.
0: <laughs> right. And so you, you're not getting these long, extended runs on books anymore, right? Right. But it, just in, in the Legion, right, the Legion fans brought it back because they're like, this stuff's crazy. And they had APA's uh, Amateur Press Association, for those uh-huh. of you that don't know, and a lot of writing about that. And, and Dave Crockmum interacted with those folks a ton. And got people all excited about the book, and mm. so it had to be when Dave Cockrum goes to Marvel, right? And he's given X Men. I mean, we're talking about a book, and this is where you can give some of the background. But we're talking about a book that was in reprints for two years, right? Right.
1: Yeah.
0: And at least two years. And um, the last person, the last great artist they'd thrown onto the book was Neil Adams. Yeah. <laughs> And people weren't buying a Neil Adams drawn book. So the stories must have been freaking terrible, right? Well,
1: I think at that point, too, they'd already run a a bunch of stuff. I mean, they'd already been running a lot of stories that felt like it was in all honesty, going back and and taking a look at some of the stories, it it felt like how many times can uh, the team... And you're dealing with a team of teenagers that are uh, bucking against a system that wants to put keep them down, bucking against a, uh, a a a mentor who is saying that they're there for their best interest, but as they're finding out, and as the story like nearing this point in the story yeah. uh, is is doing things in order to get what they think is what the kids think is not in their best interest, but what what. Professor X is like, no, this isn't your best interest and uh, manipulating them in a way. And then, you know, obviously, like not to not to spill the beans for anybody on a on a 30 plus 40 year old story. (laughs) But Beast is like, hey, I'm not doing this anymore. You've invaded everybody's minds, Professor X, and I'm out. And that causes like everybody basically to rethink what they're doing, you know. And at one point, everybody jams out, causes a bunch of stuff to, you know, go sideways in, in the, uh, the school. And, you know, at at a point there's like nobody there, you know, for, for a while. And it's like, you know, Scott's like, no, this is the only place that I know. And, you know, he's like the brooding X-Men. He's like very emo Scott. (laughs) And when you get a
0: long, you get a big run of Roy Thomas early on in Roy (laughs) Thomas's writing, right. Uh, with Neil Adams art. Yeah. Uh, looking back on these. So the, the reprints start at issue 67 and the new stories start in issue 94. So it had been, what, about three years yeah. of reprints um, just to keep the property alive. Yeah. Um, it looks like the last issue you were, you were saying that the beast kind of was
1: he's, well, they, they, they're trying the to, obvi- beast. yeah, they're trying to, obviously they need to make somebody, he's the oldest of the group, even though, and he's not the leader. Scott's the leader. Uh, but he's like, Hey, I'm out and I'm going to go do, I'm going to, I need to go and do what I need to do in my life. Yeah. As a, as a, as an adult. Right. So he leaves and that causes a big rift. And, and then he's like, you know, professor X didn't do anybody right because he invaded Jane's mind. He messed with us all. He's not got our best interest. You need to rethink what you guys are doing. and, Basically that causes a fracture in the house. Everyone kinda like has to rethink what they're doing. And you know, Beast comes back and forth in the house multiple times and, and with the team to help them out throughout the history of uh X-Men. But at this point in the in the series, he's out and leaving Scott and the original X-Men to like where they're at right before this book, uh Second Genesis kicks off and they're going to they're trying to re they're trying to basically like gather up other uh, other mutants and stuff like that trying to find other powerful mutants because they've got all these things that are going on in the world. Uh you know there's they're at this point they've already fought Magneto, they've got Magneto and all these things that are going on. Uh they're already going up against the first uh the first wave of the government implementing uh, different types of mandates sent ag- sentin- yeah. they got the sentinels but they've got the first mandate against uh mutants and mutant kind uh and and then putting the sentinels out there although these sentinels aren't free-thinking sentinels at this point they're just sentinels uh and then uh, as we start to move forward into the books then they become more of a um i want to say they uh Sentient Sentinel. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, so. and the other the other one piece of back matter that I want to share too before we get moving forward, the crazy part. So the the original series ends in 1970. So mm-hmm. January of nineteen seventy with a cover date of March 1970. Yeah. It's that last issue. The Marvel tries to relaunch the Beast on his own, which is why they sort of have and you get the big blue furry because he's still the yeah. not furry beast in, in, in 1970. So they I think they brought him in in what Marvel premiere. They make him an Avenger. So the beast is sort of off on his own. And you'll see that referenced in the book here. So they they were trying to use the beast, but it was not successful. Actually, it was not a successful solo code.
1: It's kind of sad, too, because, like, I mean, up until the point where he joins the X-Men, I mean, he's just a normal dude with big feet. And then, like, he's and and he got some, like, you know, amped up powers. He's, like, a good football player, all these other things. And then, as he's, like, you know, he's, like, working on his science stuff, he, like, he wants to get rid of his powers. Or not his powers, but his appearance, right? Is like, his mutant-type appearance. And then that's how he ends up as the big furry beast. And then this whole entire time that he's off on his own. He's trying to just reverse this thing and it just keeps making it worse.
0: (laughs) And then you get uh, and then the other thing I'll just toss out there that you probably knew, but I didn't on. So not issue 66, which is the last issue. Right. Um, But there's a fill in issue in issue 65, which shouldn't Mm -hmm. surprise you that there's a fill in issue because they're about to end a series. Right. Yeah. The writer and penciling team for the fill in issue are Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams. Yeah about to go to DC about to move. and launch a very critically acclaimed, but unsuccessful Green Lantern. <laughs> Green Arrow. Oh, I
1: know. It's so sad.
0: And then, it's but, so but these, the two run, that run gave them Batman, right? So yeah. then they did yeah. Batman and that was hugely successful. So, and obviously the Green Lantern, Green Arrow stuff, we did the drug issues and we've done the first appearance of Jon Stewart on the podcast. I, uh, honestly, you know, it,
1: without that run of Green Arrow, Green and Green Lantern, you don't end up with the Green Arrow movie, TV show. Green Arrow, <laughs> so, anything?
0: Yeah, you know, and, anything. And, and, Well, and you don't end up with the the classic seventies Batman stories. That yeah, Denis
1: or, or the like. Green Lantern movie with everyone's oh, favorite. Oh God,
0: no, no, the Green Lantern. No, <laughs> Green Lantern <laughs> a movie. Joke. A joke. Just, a please joke. stop. The Green Lantern movie is very steeped in those Gil Kane John Broom stories. Which, I, I, so, again, talk about picking up a terrible era to do a movie about, right? It's, it's like, annoying. let's go to the Silver Age and do the movie based off the Silver Age. Genius. Right. Um, beautiful yeah. art with terrible stories. I'm back to that again. Um, you're you're just, just baiting me now, right? I, like, I, okay. didn't
1: to, I didn't mean to sidetrack you.
0: <laughs> but no, I think all this back matter is important, though, because one, there's just a circle of amazing freaking writers and artists here. And then. You know, Len Ween is going to do a bunch of stuff for DC too after this, like Swamp Thing. You've heard of that guy?
1: Yeah, yeah, the Swamp Thing guy. We talked about him last last, last week. Last yeah, issue.
0: that's this is. There's a lot of tie-ins happening right now because we're kind of we're stuck in, yeah. the, in the middle of the 70s. Yeah. Uh, but Cockrum comes over, and the idea is to put Cockrum on this book with new writer Chris Claremont, and Len Ween is going to be like we said, Chris Claremont's babysitter for the first few issues. Um, so they get, uh, they get Claremont over and he basically like opens his book full of designs and says, well, here's all the shit that I pitched to DC. And Len Wein says, well, I've got some character ideas where we want to, we want to, uh, uh, by the way, before we continue to the first page, there are some amazing fishing rule reels you can get for 1495. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I just want to make sure we we point out the fishing rule ro- reels, uh, but we get four hundred and eleven uh, pieces. Damn! Yeah. Let's get on the Puyallup River. So we flip we flip this, and and first off, we get a splash. Yeah,
1: we page, have been going right? for forty six minutes, and we finally got Already. to the first page. Yeah, this is amazing. Podcast well, people.
0: Yeah, well, we're we're to the first <laughs> page. Like I said, we're not going to necessarily try to cover the story word page by page because we think most people know the story. They don't. But uh, w- when we're looking at this, it's funny. We get a cover by Gil Kane, and probably knowing Cockrum, probably just as a giant fuck you, he just draws the cover again as a splash he, page, but better. He
1: redoes the same, the same <laughs> art, but a hundred
0: times better. And it is like, I mean, as the kids on the
1: street today say, this is lit.
0: Yeah, yes. well, and he even <laughs> draws the X Men as they are now, like how they'd be looking at these folks. So you get the Blue Beast, right? Yeah, yeah. And you get the original lineup, right? Uh-huh. So we get the, we don't have Havoc back there or anything. We have the original lineup. Uh, we've got Marvel Girl, mm-hmm. otherwise known as Jean Gray. Jean Gray. We have Angel. Angel. And Cyclops. And Beast. And Iceman, but not the Snowball kind. Yeah, yeah. So. And then we've got a splash page and we'll be introduced to all these characters because we don't know who they are yet.
1: That's right they're Wolverine. all new.
0: No, that's not true. We know who some of these uh, characters are. Okay. if you read X-Men. So we yeah. you're gonna correct me if I'm wrong. but if you read X-Men, we know who Wolver well no okay if you read the Hulk, you know who Wolverine is.
1: You know who, you know who Wolverine is from the Hulk. And if you actually right, and, it, in and, in some of the previous, in in some of the previous back matter of the x-men you might have been introduced to one or two characters from the previous previous issues they might have right. just dropped you would have in met Peppering. banshee
0: before yeah you banshee yeah
1: and for sure uh,
0: and, and he gets his original <laughs> costume too he doesn't get a nice costume update right
1: no and that's what i like about that and Seamless on fire
0: but Sunfire gets a costume update.
1: Yeah, slightly mask and uh, the the and rising sun,
0: which I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> I like the rising sun flag on his I,
1: costume. I I uh, okay, that, this is the, that I there's a whole reason why I don't like.
0: This. Well, there's a there's a there's a there is in this comic right. Uh-huh. There's some stuff they 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 screw up a little bit because it's the 70s and it's a white yeah. guy trying to write a multiracial cast. Yeah, yeah. There is one panel in here. One single panel where you're like, is Len Wein the most racist person in the universe? One panel. We'll get there. We'll get to that panel.
1: (laughs) And it's also going to illustrate why Greg doesn't
0: like The Rising Sun. There's two. Okay. I was thinking of the the, there's one panel, though, that has two slurs in it at the same time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I I can tell you, I mean, I'll just say off the top. I mean, as a Japanese American, The the Rising Sun, uh, anything with The Rising Sun on it is kind of like looking at a rebel flag. To most Japanese yeah, Americans, it's it, it's like, why would you why would you wear that?
0: And I noticed lost? like in the Godzilla movie, <laughs> there weren't even rising sun flags in it
1: uh, because a lot of Japanese people just look at it like a rebel flag. where you are like, right, you just it's it, it, it's it, and it's, I mean, the most the,
0: recent uh, yeah, Godzilla it's
1: movie, a, right? it's kind of a blight on on the nation. So and just kind of we we acknowledge that it, it was a thing but and if you want historical accuracy yes okay but for the most part it's like most japanese americans you see a dude that like a white dude with his car with a big old imperial flag on it and it's like cool you put that on your honda and you don't even understand the concept of the the reasoning behind it cool awesome
0: <laughs> yeah and that's fair so <laughs> Well, let's get hey, let's get into this. So we, we see. But there's four new characters here and we have no idea who those characters are. And Len Wein is bringing Len Wein was writing the Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. And wrote the first appearances of Wolverine. So he's bringing Wolverine over from the Hulk. If you uh, it's interesting because if you read uh, if you read Dave Cockrum's notes anywhere, he didn't like Wolverine at all. Uh, uh, he, he just thought he was a berserker moron. He hated the character. And that's why in later issues, he's the one that starts drawing him like I with see. the the rednecks tuxedo,
1: uh-huh. the,
0: the, the furry, uh, the furry jean jacket and the yeah. sideburns to try to humanize him. Yeah, yeah. And it's just one more way of of Cockrum inserting himself as an artist, right, to try to soften something and give it some life. Because <laughs> he was thinking he was thinking Wolverine in his original incarnation is just basically the Hulk, right? right. You can't do much with him. Yeah. And it's another situation where a writer and artist work together, but often just an artist will take a character and humanize the character and help develop. And let's again, you know, Len Wein created Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Dave Cockrum is the reason Wolverine is Wolverine. Yeah.
1: And, and, and it's such an interesting and, like,
0: and paid no money ever for the creation of Wolverine because he didn't create him
1: he just enhanced
0: perfected him
1: perfected them well and then this lineup is such a powerful lineup too of characters like when you take a look at it it is it is wild to think because like in the in the previous lineup you've got you've got beast like a tank right you've got cyclops kind of a tank in a sense but then you've got um gene gray thunderbird's a tank well, no, no, I'm talking about like the previous lineup. Oh, you got you got yeah. Beast, Tank, Cyclops, Tank, Iceman, Jean Grey, Strategic. And then right. you got you got Angel. Who's worthless? No, he's your aerial strategist. OK, then he's
0: worthless. He
1: always ne- <sighs> he sucks. <sighs> he he flies. flies. It's
0: true. He's not cool until he becomes Archangel and then they change him back. Yeah, because true. then they made a character that had razor shoots razors at people and only villains should be able to shoot razors at people because <laughs> heroes that shoot razors at people would murder them. Yes, <laughs> that doesn't make true. a good hero.
1: Doesn't make a good hero. And then this team, this team is like power Wolverine, powerhouse, Thunderbird, powerhouse, a, ta- a tank, tank, Uh, you know, Peter is a tank, Uh, Banshee and like I mean. Banshee's a tank, too. <laughs> I mean, like.
0: Well, Banshee's more of your, like... But I would argue... I would make the argument that Banshee is more of your... That Storm and Banshee... We can get into the criticism I laid last week. Because they really do use Storm. Storm is a tank, too. But they, they use Banshee. And I think rightfully so with this group, right? Banshee and Storm are your distance. And Sunfire are your distance, folks.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Right? Wolverine is... Like you, you throw you throw Colossus and Thunderbird in first and yeah. then Wolverine comes in and cleans up. Right. Yeah. Um. Because he's getting anybody that comes through. And then you've got your reconnaissance in you've got your rogue. You got your reconnaissance with Nightcrawler. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's like I mean, if you were creating a D&D group, yeah. right, you'd want this group.
1: This yeah, no, this is a great group. This is a great team that you'd want to you would roll up and want your stats up high and stuff like that. I mean, honestly, Storm is like she she's your all around catch. Like she she does everything. Yeah. And she does a great like that's that's who you want on your team.
0: But she's also 100%. like your she's like your she's like your, you know, your is fighting mage, right? Because yeah. like in that sense, because she doesn't have to go to the front lines most of the time, but when she does, uh-huh. she's going to win.
1: Yeah. Oh, of course.
0: And of course, later they write her that way too. But I, I'm, let's not get that. Let's not get yeah. into like fighting Callisto and yeah, yeah. that because yeah, like, so, all, all right, right, we should at least get to the second page, but I Jumping will tell up. you that Len Wein is the writer, editor, and co-creator. With Dave yeah. Cockrum, so it's noted as co-creator. So if anybody was ever wondering, they even noted in the book, uh, Dave Cockrum, co-creator, illustrator, Glennis Ween. So is that Len Ween's relative? Is that Len Ween's wife, Glennis? Maybe, maybe Glynis? it's his full name. No, the color. It's
1: his oh, color. oh, 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 Glenn, oh, Glennis. Oh, Glennis Ween. Oh, yeah. I don't know. That's a good. Well, I guess you'll have to have to look you'll that have up. To look it up.
0: Podcast. Yeah. And John Costanza. Uh, I guarantee Dave Cockrum's favorite letterer right here. Yeah. yeah.
1: All
0: right, so I have a feeling we're only
1: going to get to like this book is broken up into four parts, folks. I I I think we're only going to get to a
0: third. (laughs) We'll we'll get it. So, um, I I
1: mean,
0: so first off, the art is beautiful throughout. You've got amazing characters, the background. So we have this blue guy running through a village away from people with fire.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's like, and, and, it's like in, the, in the Alps. And there's like all this wild stuff going on. The torches. Yeah. <laughs>
0: get we, get Amigo, we get Amigo advertisement for the Falcon, the lizard, Green Goblin, and the Hulk. Oh, Four yeah. Eight inch figures. Which, and if Greg oh. had those, he would be keeping those. Those were not things he would sell.
1: No, they're not. And like, honestly, like when I was a kid, I swear, I swear my cousin... Eric had these and like, cause like he must've, cause he was a little bit older than us. He must've, he must've got these at a garage sale or something like that and thought they were dumb. And like, he just like blew them up. <laughs> i was and so In so
0: sad. Glynnis, Le- uh was uh Len Wein's wife for several years.
1: Oh, wow. Look at that. Look who's smiling now. <laughs>
0: uh, since 1985, she's been using her maiden name of Oliver, however, so.
1: Uh, what? Say that one more time.
0: Oliver, she's Howell? been using her maiden name since 1985.
1: So that should what's the maiden name?
0: Oliver. So Glennis Oli- Oliver,
1: Glennis yeah. Oliver. Okay, I thought you said Oliver Howell. <laughs> I was yeah. like, what is that? Is all very long.
0: Okay, continue. but uh, anyway, um, so I, of course, I Professor X comes in and stops this and he's like, hey, would you like to come to my school for mutants? And he's like, sure, because you're <laughs> taking me away from this rabid crowd who's murdering me, uh, like, trying to murder me. me. So I yeah. get that. And by the way, before we continue, yes. there is something we forgot to say with all that starting talk. Yes. So the idea here was it was you had already made the point that the stories had run stale with the uh-huh. group of sort of the, the persecuted heroes from America. Right. Yes. Yes. So the idea here that they had in the relaunch, and I think they gave, didn't the, didn't the Cochran book give a little bit of credit to Roy Thomas for this too?
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, but Len Ween and, and Roy Thomas and and Cochran, they they wanted a group of international heroes yeah. to illustrate that mutants were everywhere, right? So it wasn't yeah. just folks in the United States. So that's yeah. where we're getting uh, this sort of cross section of heroes. So now because- we end up in Quebec. Yeah, yeah oh, because ahead, the sorry.
1: first, uh, I want to say the first round, like, I mean, and, and Professor, P- Professor Xavier's school of gifted, uh, gifted students, gifted uh, youth, they had, um, they'd already gone through like two, I want to say two or three classes at this point, And a lot of those, a lot of those kids, obviously, all from the States, all from, oh, no, uh, uh, one of them uh, at this point, uh, I want to say our angel, um, because in this storyline, he is. Uh, he he's from England, so he was the international student,
0: um, but uh, um, that
1: everyone else is is all all from America. So
0: and they're all very white. Yeah. Yeah. They're the persecuted white guys. Yeah. So
1: we've got we we, we need to mix it up a bit.
0: Yes. <laughs> and, and and I will say, too, as we go through. Well, well, let's let's we'll get to it when we get there. But they they tried to introduce a multiracial cast um, sometimes. Nah. OK, well, anyway, so we're, we're in Quebec, port. Canada. Yeah. And uh, Wolverine's hanging out at uh, what the, would be, the future be known as Alpha Flight Space. Yeah. 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 Um, Weapon it, X, it, Weapon X facility. Yeah. Weapon X facility Alpha flight space. And, and but we don't know that stuff yet. Oh, my gosh. I there's so much. There's so much I want to talk about this, but I can't. I'll say it for another time. Uh, well, we don't we know cover. this stuff. You're just going to have to pick us out a Weapon X story later. Right. I know. And so or an we get uh, run a four issue. But <laughs> starting up the Wolverine personality. Yeah. Uh, He's like sh- he is short He's originally drawn with the blue and the yellow by Cockrum, which I think a lot of people assume that he's originally drawn with the blue and the, the yellow and the brown, right?
1: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or the brown, but he's not, right? He's originally the yellow and the blue and he's got the the winged headpiece to make him look like the Wolverine. And it's said in the Cockrum bio that he didn't draw him originally like this character wasn't drawn like Timberwolf. Uh the <laughs> He was drawing like a different character Cockrum had been drawing. So okay. the, I forget the name. It was one of the proposed characters Cockrum had been working uh-huh. on, which is interesting. But then when he later, he draws him with the 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 mutton chops. And yeah, yeah like make him look more feral. It's kind of that's where you see the similarities there. So okay. there you go. Not Timberwolf. If we were counting. Uh, if we were the counting. It's past. Yeah. Not not Timberwolf, but still kind of Timberwolf. So <laughs> we're going to go. Uh, and Timberwolf is a character from Legion of Superheroes who has agility powers and recuperative powers. So um, not recuperative powers, to the level of Wolverines by any means. But okay. there you go. So not even close. But yeah, so there are but there are some similarities. So we go over and yeah, Wolverine basically tells the Canadian army to go fuck themselves and leaves with Professor X. Not a fair is yeah, that a that's fair a, that, summary that, of a couple that's pages? A
1: fair, that's a fair summary of a couple pages. And from I I, I, I just I, I can't leave this page without saying, and from that point on, it seals his it seals his fate as being a marked
0: man. With the Let's Canadian just say military. The Canadians Canadians are not as nice as you think they are.
1: They are not as nice as you think they are, because boy yeah. oh boy, anytime Wolverine steps foot in that country, he is a marked man. <laughs>
0: spent a lot of money on that guy. Well, they all do. right. Alpha flight
1: and the weapon X project from that point on is all about getting Wolverine. <laughs> if he goes into Canada.
0: Now, what I think is hilarious is you can tell Banshee is going to be a big part of the next group because he gets a whole two panels.
1: Well, I mean, he was a big part of the previous group for a right. hot minute or 10. Uh, and, and okay. So leading up to leading up to this, uh, so Banshee, if if you don't know who he is, he was a he's a previous law enforcement officer um, back in the U.K. Uh, so he was also from the U.K. too. OK, so he and uh, Professor X uh, had a friend who was helping out run a installation to hold his Professor X's brother uh, in, Moira. in stasis chamber. Yeah, Moira uh, to, to hold McTaggart. his. Yes, yes. To, he to hold also
0: him. Lo- his lover. Yeah,
1: at one point, but spoiler, spoiler, they they saw things differently. They couldn't. uh, They they became. They just were on a friendship level, and Banshee and her took out the mantle.
0: Yep. So, So, but now Banshee is in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, exactly where I thought he'd be.
1: Well, I mean, he's a man of of music and taste.
0: You will also know notice that right sitting in front of somehow phantom girl went back <laughs> 1000 years ended up in the marvel universe is, is sitting right in front of banshee because <laughs> that is dave cockerham phantom girl dead on <laughs> right there really yes crazy with the uh with the pigtails and everything so there we go uh and You're also going to see some of that. And of course, Banshee's relationship to the Legion of Superheroes is because Mike Grell is forced to draw the first Black Legionnaire, Tyrock, who has the Uh, exact same power set as Banshee. Interesting. Okay. Uh, And that's another story for another day. (laughs) So. uh, Fair enough. Now we go to Kenya and we meet a we meet Storm. Yeah. Who is being worshipped by people as a goddess of the weather and she basically seems like she knows this is not quite right
1: <laughs> she knows that she's, she's, uh, she's kind of like a, a, um, a huckster in a sense like she's like yeah. hey you guys want the weather to be good for you and, uh, and uh, your crops to grow okay excellent give me this this and this and I'll make it happen all right cool we got the good weather
0: and um, her hair seems to always cover her body.
1: Yeah, because I mean, you know. Uh... But
0: anyway, uh, we get uh, and Cockrum is known for having costumes that show a lot of skin because yeah. they're those fashion costumes we talked about, right? Things that right. only work on a. And so, anyway, she's going to add a little bit more to her costume yeah. uh, later than her hair and her her but, I, mean, skirt, I, I
1: guess. If you, yeah. If you know about her power set though, she does have the ability to do that kind of stuff. To I mean to to really, you know, change and sway the, the weather and, and and make things make things good for uh you know to you know she can she can bring bring rain and all that. You know that can help crops and stuff like that. So it's it is good for the area that she's in, but you know it's a definite definite sad thing when she leaves, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. And and she says to Xavier comes to her and is like, what, she's like, what can you offer a goddess? And he's like, what I offer you is what is the world. <laughs> it's like, it's not beautiful, but it is real. And he's like, you are no goddess, Aurora, and you are a mutant and you have responsibilities. And she thinks about it and she's like, OK, perhaps it's time for me to go and do something with my life. So she goes. Yeah. And she goes off on her hero quest, which is really. And if you follow the Storm character, right, when Storm was being written well,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Storm was always on a hero quest of some sort. Oh, yeah. Like um, I, whether that's when she shaved her head or because it. she was despondent during mm-hmm. a low part of her hero quest. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, after even after the wonderful. I, mean, I don't think because uh, Claremont didn't get it right all the time, even after the such <laughs> perilous storyline yeah <laughs> she's still on that hero quest that's how you get gambit right right and yeah when the character and that's just, this is her star so it's always a cool one to see because she 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 makes the decision to say well i'm gonna go on this quest right I, I i there are things for me beyond my station right now
1: yeah i mean and and that's the cool thing is like like you said she's she's always on these quests but she definitely her her hero arcs are really really good and uh, like if you do follow her storylines and how they intertwine a lot with like you know jean gray and her story and arc and how they're very uh, i'm gonna say complimentary because they're not they don't compliment but they do balance and balance so
0: when i always thought and i know later on in the 90s this changes right but I always <laughs> thought the Storm character never succumbs to temptation. That was also one of the the oh. great things about the character for a long, long time.
1: Right. Yeah, I yeah. know they
0: did some things later in the '90s, which I don't want to discuss. Yeah. But um, throughout the Claremont run, right? Yeah. She was always she was tempted by power. She was tempted by fate. She, mm-hmm. she was tempted by many things and never succumbed to them.
1: For sure. For sure. And and I, I what I like about this this run, what this builds up to is, I mean, it definitely. If, puts her into a thing where she 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 has lived her life as a as a goddess in in Africa doing all these things for the people and and being worshipped and then she's put into a team situation where she has to find her footing amongst other people and not all of them have great personalities obviously <laughs> you know but all, I feel
0: like I'm like the only person that likes the Morlock storyline, but I think that's why I liked it, right? Like, oh know, no, it's a good one. Okay. Oh my so God, maybe no. I'm not the only one. I no. always feel like I'm the only one cuz people shit on that storyline all the time.
1: Oh no, it's so good because I mean, and she, I mean, like when you get into it and she and she's like everything's happening and, and she's like there's she's got the empathy, right? <laughs>
0: One one of the comics I got as a kid was when uh, in that three pack, uh, uh, I get the I get the story where she comes back um, from that. Right. And get gets rid of all her plants and shaves her head. And Kitty Pride is like freaked out, like right. what happened to you? And so I had to go back and read around that because I read that story like 50 times as a kid, but had no context for what was around it. Uh huh. But I was like, this is fascinating. But anyway. All right. So we've got to keep going. We'll <laughs> yeah. Never get done. It'll be like nine o'clock. Two we'll
1: hours later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We can't. We can't so. Do that. This is- <laughs> OK. So let's get to Sunfire for a second because I want to listen to you talk because costume aside. OK. Because okay. costume, you're like, that's offensive. OK, cool. Um, I've always thought like I figured you as a Japanese American would find Sunfire offensive for a fuck ton more reasons in his costume, right? I've always found Sunfire in every iteration to just be a character. I never want to see on the page okay. ever. Uh, he's always an asshole. Uh, they used him later on for G or for a uh, to take his powers away. She, she could have powers yeah. again when they reintroduce Ms. Marvel. Right. Um, uh, to me, he's just always been a character that I just, to me has no redeeming qualities at all on the page. So, Tell me about Sunfire because you've probably read a little bit more of these early Sunfire pieces, and maybe you can explain to me why, like, they keep bringing this character back and forth.
1: All right, so Sunfire's a businessman, and that's why he's such a hard ass. And then also the Wolverine connection later on that you're you're like bearing the lead on. Okay. Like, I mean, obviously, like you end up. I mean, there's a whole entire freaking movie based on their. Crap relationship. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, I just, I don't uh, know. I just, and, and, not. And,
1: and, and his love for, like, I mean, the not, not Sunfire's love, but like, like Wolverine's love for Sunfire's sister, right? So, like, yeah, I mean, or, yeah. well, like, and, and the uncle, you're it's not like, helping me. Sunfire's so, so a Yakuza, like, he's a secret Yakuza. So, I mean, like, or he's connected to Yakuza people. So, I mean, he's not, he's a good guy, but a bad guy. If he's a mutant, so he's just doing this because like he's like oh hey people know that I'm a, a mutant so I got to do this but also I'm connected to these bad people and then there's also all these other things that are out there that are like I mean so I he's not necess- he is he's written he's he's very tropey but then again yes.
0: He's a Uh, series of stereotypes.
1: He's a series of of stereotypes. He's a series
0: of stereotypes in a book where almost every character is a stereotype.
1: So how can you hate one thing if you like everything else?
0: Well, no, because his, I I didn't say I liked everything else, first off. And second, his is just like a stack of stereotypes. Yeah,
1: that's true. And he's
0: always an asshole.
1: Well, I (laughs) mean...
0: I don't and just like and, I want I want some redeeming qualities for my characters. Right. Uh, and he's just like understandable, always an at asshole
1: the, at the same point. It's like when um, when a majority of the time when you're looking at people based off of either stereotypes or interactions with people and you don't understand culturally why they act that way. And a lot of times uh, when you're talking to Asian business people that are just either quiet or standoffish. It's not necessarily that that's necessarily how they are. It's just how they conduct themselves in those types of situations. They might be jolly and jovial uh, in lockdown, personal situations and stuff like that. But if they're handling themselves in a business type situation, he's having this conversation with professor X and every other interaction that he's having with all of his teammates, he's looking at a business situation or interaction. He's going to be a jerk. Regardless,
0: have to have a geisha bringing him tea.
1: That's his sister.
0: Is it? Does it indicate that anywhere?
1: If you read further onto the story, like into the rest of the story, that like his sister. But right it,
0: here, it doesn't.
1: It right there, it doesn't. It implies, all. but um, generally speaking, like probably like acting as a servant. But for the most part, though, I mean, for it, you're it, you're putting the geisha stereotype on the person. Yeah, but most of because the time,
0: it's a 1970s comic book. It's a
1: 1970s comic book. but
0: It's being delivered things by a woman.
1: But uh, Eastern, yeah. East, like cultural wear. Yeah, I'm aware, putting it there. You're putting it there. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm because, putting it there. But I think the cultural art is aware, putting it there. But
1: the art is putting it there. But you're also putting that lens over it. Because have you been to Japan? Have you seen cultural wear?
0: I've never been to Japan because you won't go. I've been. I know you've <laughs> cool. been. Anyway, but, so.
1: But no, I'm just saying, I mean, but I mean, cultural wear wise and even at this time, too, uh, when this was written and I'm just I'm just putting this lens on there for you is maybe this was the appropriate attire at the time for for them to be wearing.
0: OK, you know, and it would it it would also not surprise me for Dave Cockrum to research the shit out of that
1: yeah so but you're 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 saying geisha also geishas would have uh, more makeup on for their facial makeup and other things like that that does not indicate geisha to me indicates just probably either a family member or and as i know from the future stories stuff like that his sister does do a lot of these servant type added um uh things as his attache so
0: okay i don't know i like that any better but OK, so
1: <laughs> <laughs> moving forward.
0: <laughs> well, I think but we will move forward. But I will say, too, I think what brings the stereotypes to the front of this is his oh. overarching attitude, too. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. His over. But OK, you want to know perhaps how, how, it's how
0: time once more for me, for the world to love me. I know it doesn't say that, but that's <laughs> pretty much it's like,
1: oh. Okay, you want to know how my uh, like as a as as an Asian American, um, like would I want this or not? Um, as an Asian American at this time, uh, when I, if I was a kid reading this, uh, you got to remember there's not a lot of representation uh, yes. in comics on the screen, either on TV or in movies. And if it was represented. Uh, it was usually done by a non-Asian American. Uh, so, case in point, uh, when uh, when people were put on the screen to to be in those roles, they generally weren't. So, uh, David Carradine, not Asian American, yeah. Kung Fu. Uh, well, no, I am show. picking. I'm
0: picking at this a little but, bit because I wanted to get into one of these characters, right? And yeah. And you no. have more insight than I do, so I'm picking at this uh, a ton. We're so, gonna get into Peter Rasputin in a yeah, minute, so but, I won't but, pick but, on that too much.
1: But when but when you put in when you put in a character like this, and they put in all the stereotypes and stuff like that, sometimes it's like yes, heavy handed stereotypes. But at the same point, it's like, you know, all right, you have this, or you have that, or you don't have it at all. So what yeah. would, would you rather have,
0: right? And that's the same not with saying, the Storm character, right? Yeah,
1: not saying that it's it, yeah. it's it's better or worse, but it's in the same. You know, you got a character named Peter Rasputin Rasputin from, uh, you know, Siberia. It's like okay. Well,
0: let's jump. Let's jump to Peter the Great slash Rasputin, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's jump there because you know, I I wanted the co- commentary on Sunfire. I wanted to spend it there instead of on Aurora, right? Like we could have spent that same had that almost identical conversation about the stereotypes where yeah. Storm is presented. Right. Yeah. So I think uh, I think it's good to have it there because I think you're okay. you're far more qualified to talk about those and, panels in my mind than I am to talk about <laughs> like uh, like a, a Native African. Right. Well, like, the same, So the same,
1: the same thing that I said about about uh about Sunfire, it can be said about Thunderbird as well. So I mean, it's oh like, yeah. It,
0: well, it, we'll, well, we'll cover Thunderbird this and,
1: second, <laughs> so. it will, and then the second. I mean, and i spoiler alert. I mean, like Thunderbird's only in the in the series for like four four issues. So
0: <laughs> well, because you always got to kill one of the tanks. So yeah. Uh, but here's Peter Rasputin. Yeah, I, I've never been a big fan of the the last name.
1: Uh, He's at all. unkillable, Dan. That's a That's great true. game. Uh, Rasputin is unkillable. You can't stab him. You can't shoot him. You can't poison him. You can't drown him. He's unkillable.
0: Well, the most important thing is uh, the most important they should thing. should have called him Rasputin. Yeah. So Peter is on a collective farm <laughs> in Russia. Yes. Wait. And collect-
1: it's their farm. The farm is theirs.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, it's not. Our farm. Yeah. The farm is yeah. our farm and uh anyway uh we 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 get the retconned first appearance of magic which is not referenced at all right here could be any little girl he was saving uh uh-huh. does it say it's his sister i don't remember it saying It does say it's his sister peter
1: look your okay. sister
0: your sister that's right that's right yeah so but the retconned first appearance of of magic as well
1: yeah because later on
0: in the series his sister called, yeah spoiler everybody and, uh, and 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 obviously the most important first appearance in this issue, Sister? Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's why everybody buys this issue is Ileana's first uh, appearance. Of course. That's why everybody seeks out this issue, right? Yeah. You didn't know. I, yeah. It says right here, supporting characters: Ileana Rasputin, first appearance, unnamed. <laughs> that's why this. That's why this issue is worth so much money. Exactly. So. Anyway, same same idea. He saves her. He unveils his powers. He, his parents are very sad, but Professor X convinces him to go off for, for a greater cause, to save the world. So our group of international heroes are. Um, and then we get the most racist stereotype in the issue, which is the first appearance of Thunderbird. Thunderbird. John Proudstar. John Proudstar, which is they like. Do honestly, do better, they do better with James Proudstar later. I'll just say that. Yeah. Much better. Yeah. His brother. But, yeah. But that was written much later.
1: Yeah. Uh, the redemption story of like, you can do better than your brother. Be better than your brother. Yep, Don't be stubborn and, like your brother.
0: Yep. And we get, um, they call him an Apache, which there's a couple of other things in there that really make me uncomfortable later on about this. Um, what I would say, I, I would say about the first appearance of John Proudstar is... We do have native representation, Mm -hmm. which is good. Um, It's very similar to some of the native representations I saw in the Neil Adams, uh, Denny O'Neill Green Lantern works, right? Um, Where they're trying, but I don't always get it. They don't always get it right. I think at least in the Green Lantern, Green Arrow stuff where they go back and they try to save. uh, It's the famous one where Green Arrow and Green Lantern get in the fight in the I don't even think we've covered this in the podcast, but they get in a fight in a river and knock each other out.
1: Oh yeah. No, we did cover it a little bit. We did cover the fighting over.
0: Yeah. They're fighting over, right. The rights of natives to rule their, their land. Right. And they like green lanterns, like I'm going to go to the government and they're going to help. And green. Arrow's like, I'm going to run the loggers off the land because the government ain't going to help. And they get in a fight over it. And, uh, and I, I think just because you had uh, two issues where you could sort of fully develop this storyline, uh, we get a few panels. And so they don't uh, get as much time to develop it. Right. Right. Um, but they do show he's a powerful dude because he is like chasing a buffalo and like takes it down. Yeah. He wrestles that thing down. A bison. Excuse me. A bison. Which and, is a uh, buffalo. Yes. Uh, delicious. And uh, he gets recruited by Professor X again. I have no idea how Professor X got his wheelchair out there, but that's a.
1: <laughs> and that's what he asked him. He's like, how did you get out here? <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, but uh, he agrees to join. And Professor X is like, but will any of you, my new X-Men, be equal to the task that lies before you? Or will you carry the world down into ruin? Uh Oh, no. now, one thing I do want to bridge here is that. Uh, I think one of the other things, too, that happens with Professor X and those old stories is, you know, DC um, has in My Strange Adventure, right? Like they have uh, they have the chief, right?
1: Yeah. Which
0: is basically Professor X. Yeah. So we have, you know, two teams of basically mutants. And DC basically goes as far as, as saying mutants, right? Right. So we have almost two identical teams happening and yeah. I think that the concept gets burnt out by both. Right. Because Doom Patrol goes down <laughs> to a sad fate, too, that they try to launch several times. And Doom Patrol, well, really, I mean, Doom Patrol in its entire history outside of probably the TV show. Right. And the TV show is based off the 80s Morrison run. Right. Right. So uh, <laughs> the Doom, Doom Patrol, they, they do a lot more with X-Men. Doom Patrol really has like two years of success. Of good stuff. And they've Solid. tried to relaunch it over and over and over and over and over again. And uh, uh, why am I blanking on the dude? Uh, Gerard Way. Oh, yeah. Did a couple year, a good years of it too recently. Mm-hmm. They even had John uh, Buren try to do Doom Patrol, and it wasn't super great. So I thought that was funny. It's like you bring John Buren to do the analog book for the X Men. Mm-hmm. But I guess at that point, DC was trying to get anything they could get out of John Beren after he destroyed Superman. So, you know. Yeah. Well, anyway, we'll be to John Beren in a minute. Uh, I promise not to get there yet. So chapter two, we're going to fly a little bit because. Oh, we're going to actually uh, go
1: into this. You don't want to hold off and, and, you know what? and give the listeners uh, a reprieve and a, and a minute to, to soak all this in. And then I think we'll we come back. A,
0: we, we should have a part two. I think you're right. So we, if you're reading along with us, we are going to stop at. I don't know if you'll get this before we record this next one. You know, I'll probably put this on New Year's so they will get it before we record this one. But uh, yeah, so we are we're through chapter one, and that's it. And a lot of backstory about Dave Cockrum, and we're going to get into what these new heroes have to face next.
1: Oh my goodness, they have to face so much. In the I'll talk about year. John
0: Beer, and, and in the next podcast, we'll talk about John Beer and being a tracer over Dave Cockrum. <laughs>
1: Tracer. Just like in in uh, uh like in the movie now. Really?
0: Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well it,
0: the thing here too is um Cockrum inked his own stuff. Mm-hmm. At least for the first appearance. Gotcha. Um and then they have Bob McLeod, it looks like they have a whole bunch of different inkers for Cock- <laughs> Sam Granger. Sam Granger, so yeah, it looks like Sam Granger inks him for a while because Cockrum was too slow. That, that's one of the things Cockrum will love to ink his own stuff, too. But he's just not fast enough if he's doing. Yeah, uh, But Cockrum inks a few of his own stuff, uh, if, you know, a few issues. And, and they can change out inkers because Cockrum's pencils are so finished. It's not hard to ink him. Right. So, yeah. Solid, solid work. Bob Layton inked him in issue 105.
1: Mm.
0: Fun fact. Yeah, there are tons of inkers that went over him. So uh, he's been inked by all of them. Yeah, and I could go on with this. Oh my god. Yeah, 107, the first appearance of the Legion, I mean Imperial Guard.
1: <laughs>
0: is, there's Colossal Boy, I mean yeah, so um the Legion makes it back. And then uh after the first appearance of the Imperial Guard, we get one more issue and uh, actually that was it. No. There's the Imperial Guard and then or then that was the Star Smasher or Star Jammers, my bad, not the Imperial Guard. But there's still Colossal Boy standing there. So well.
1: I mean in all honesty they do uh like what was it
0: yeah and then you get John Buren with issue 108 drawing Chris Claremont's characters when,
1: when they get when they get further into any of this you there is there there is a whole entire run yeah when when they get all the characters back out of everything from this there is a whole entire thing that does happen yeah so it's yeah you do get a lot of uh of Legion st- legion style story.
0: Oh, you do. Oh, you
1: yes, you do. do. Yeah, you do. Uh, w- when I was going back, when I was when I was enjoying a lot of these stories uh, last year, I was like, oh, man, this is very, very much of Dan's alley.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, well, no. And that's and, and again, like, I mean, we'll wrap this podcast, but it's not like they say, like, even so let's talk about let's 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 wrap this first one up by talking about image comics for a second. Right. OK. OK, so image was created by artists or writers?
1: Uh, well, that's a good question. Uh,
0: easy because they, they were artist. created by artists because they've acknowledged that. Right. Yeah. Artists. Because unless you write The Walking Dead, you've never been a vice president or a co-creative president, whatever they called it. Right. OK. Image. Right. Gotcha. So unless you're Robert Kirkman, like he was uh, the first writer they let be an executive. Right. Uh, so I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. So that's. <laughs> Uh, So that's the first writer they let be an executive, right, in their company, right, which obviously, I mean, from a fiscal standpoint, you kind of had to, I would think, at that point, right, Mm because you need his properties. But, uh, you know, you think about a lot of people will say, like, well, and obviously I want to give Claremont the credit. We were talking about this beginning, but I want to stress the point we were making, right? Uh, Cockrum designed, right, the characters that were the number one selling book at Marvel in the mm-hmm. 80s and the number two selling book at DC from 1982 to 19 to crisis mm-hmm. until John Byrne destroyed the Legion. Yeah. Because John Bearn, uh, when he relaunched Superman said there was no Superboy. And if there was no Superboy, then there's no Legion of superheroes. Right. Right. I mean, there is, but there's no tie to the present, right? That was the whole you know, thing. Right. So, um, and then, you know, I, I would make the argument that John Byrne being just massively overrated later gets that big contract at D.C. and just destroys one of their biggest properties, you know, to the point of, you know, them killing Superman in the early 90s. Right. And it's amazing to me. Right. Like and again, John Beard is is a as a, a creator. Right. Like I may not like everything he did. There's some people that like what he did with the Superman launch. Sales would tell you otherwise. Right. Uh-huh. Um, because they got him off the books. Right. Yeah. Very quickly. Why are you tapping the mic? Sorry. But, um, you know, so but anyway, I just I don't know to me. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, because John Byrne was on X-Men for a long time. Right. But to me, he gets pumped up by Claremont and Cockrum. And I don't think he ever delivered in any way close to what they delivered. And in fact, when got when he got opportunities to deliver Heavy, he failed often. And it was all pushed out of this. I can't argue that on the DC side, because Mike Grell is Mike Grell, and he went after Cockrum for Legion, and then went on to do all sorts of his own shit, right? Yeah. But what's the great John Beer and indie book that's out there that you want to grab? I mean, what's his John Sable?
1: There's not. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You know, so and and again, I don't want to take away from John Byrne too much. Right. So I I want I want to back back myself up just a little bit. Right. Because, you know, he had run on Fantastic Four as well. Right. Right. Um, He had he created She-Hulk. Right. Mm -hmm. I think no, created by Stan Lee, it says. But But he did a lot of the the building. Yeah, the 70s She-Hulk. Right.
1: Yeah. And that led to the the She-Hulk that we know today. Right.
0: So, I mean, he helped with the the Dan slot. Well, anyway, but uh, (laughs) so, yeah. yeah, So I I don't want to take away from him too much, but the big thing he's known for, right, obviously, is the two big things he's known for. I guess he's known for Fantastic Four, right? But Mm -hmm. I would argue the two big things he's known for are X-Men and Superman. Okay. Right. Yeah. If you're saying what are the two pinnacle pieces of his career? One is X-Men and one is Superman. And Superman was an abject failure. (laughs) But the X-Men, it's up there with everything else. Yeah. But he was drawing somebody else's creations. Right. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. And again, I don't want to pick on like like if I got the opportunity to hang out and talk to John, I always say his name wrong. John Byrne, John Byrne, right? It's not Byrne, Byrne, right? So if I got the opportunity to talk to John Byrne, right? First, I would say, why did you destroy the Legion of Superheroes? And then the second thing I would say is, dude, you're amazing, right? Let's talk comics history. Because just because I don't like something somebody did, and I'm making the argument for Cockrum's, like, uh, you know, contributions here, I don't want to diminish John Byrne's, like, history and comics right yeah but what i'm trying to pump up is dave Cockrum's contribution right to both of these things and how i think underappreciated Cockrum is compared mm-hmm. to say a john Bir- Byrne who got right the big contract yeah and it's like the guy that came after the guy that made the cool thing is the one that got the recognition and that's always been weird to me and that it, it well i mean yeah,
1: it just seems like that's always the case and in- in every situation be it comics be it corporate world it's always the person that's coming in afterwards that's, uh, that gets the the note the the notoriety the recognition for the thing that was done before by somebody else that they're like oh who is doing it now it's you and you're if that person's like it's not me but sure <laughs> you know they, they're like yep. they're never the person that's done the, that's doing the thing, but they're they're the person that's that's in the shoes, and it's just that, it's it, it, you know and, and that that's that's sad on two levels. It's sad for the person that, that did the work that that didn't get recognized, and it's sad that the person that got recognized didn't do the work and now has to be like, oh yeah, and they know that it wasn't their contribution that that got them this thing <laughs> because right. They're getting all the accolades for something that they had nothing to do with.
0: Now, let's give John Byrne his due. Yeah. I keep saying he's tracing Cochran, but as an artist in his own right, he was able to draw those costumes. Right. So, you know, it's not like <laughs> let's let's him I want to give him I want to give the man some credit, too. But the stylization, like if you go back to that splash page, a lot of the stylization of the costumes is not there in the Byrne run. Yeah, that's true. Like just, you lose a lot of that that those points of the costumes.
1: Yeah, they're 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 a weaker rendition. Yep. But
0: especially storms. Again, like
1: you said, I mean, there are things that he did that were very notable that we don't and we don't get those jump off points later on for other things. So, I mean, applaud him for what he did. Do. Good
0: job. Yeah. Well, and I would think too after the two years on the book that Cockrum had, right? Like, I'm sure that. Claremont was had enough power to get to pick who he wanted on the book. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I would, yeah, I would think so. Claremont's (laughs) Claremont. Claremont's like, I want that guy. Right. So there is that too. So again, I don't want to take away. I don't want to take away from diminish his career, but I am trying to pump up Cockrum's career and just make the argument that, you know, Mm -hmm. the reason this book is what it is was because of him. Right. Right. And we can get into story matter and, and next next episode, we'll get into the story matter, right? Mm-hmm. That shows us more of what Len Wein contributed to, right? <laughs> in plotting, oh, yeah. writing the story, and how he gave Claremont the jumping off point to get the X Men where they were. Yeah, and you know, and I'm also, you know, I also wonder in some strange way too, like if Len Wein had stayed at Marvel, would he have just kept X Men?
1: I think if Len Wein stayed at Marvel, uh, we would have had a different X Men run. Than what Chris Claremont delivered because we wouldn't have a Chris
0: Claremont run. <laughs> right. <laughs> it would have been so. a Len Wein run all the way through. Which would have been uh, very interestingly different.
1: Yeah. And yeah, we would have, it would have, it would have been a different run altogether. It would have been
0: very different. And when so. you see some of the panels we're going to mention next episode, you're going to, you're going to not want the Len Wein run. You're going to want the <laughs> Claremont run. So, I mean, are you though? I don't yeah, know. I think so. Are you? <laughs> I I, I think so. How about we just leave it at that? Leave it at that.
1: But I mean, honestly, I feel like I feel like with the the buildup of all this, I mean, this book, you you get. Oh, it's I'll 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 save it for the next issue. I'll save it for the next episode. Damn it! Save well.
0: this is the first time in a long time we've split a book over two episodes. So, and talked for two episodes worth of material on the first quarter of a book. So it is such a big book, people. That's why it's a yearly read. And I and I said, you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't overanalyze this book like everybody else, but we clearly are. But are. hopefully, you're having fun with this. Um, I'm going to say to you, I'll grab my other two and give you the references later. But first, uh, get the life and art of Dave Cochran by Glenn Cadigan. Uh, so even if you, you should be able to get the PDF version too. And by the way, I went to go back and get Destroyer Duck. If you saw Greg open his Destroyer Duck so like, good. on the video, it's out of print now. I can't buy myself another one. Ha ha ha! It's mine! I know. I was like, damn it. <laughs> uh, ha ha ha! Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I know. I was like, mm. I'm sorry. Thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> yeah, you now have. <laughs> I wonder if I can get it on Amazon. I haven't looked there.
1: Oh, that's terrible.
0: But it's, <laughs> out, it's out of print on tomorrow's site. So oh, yeah. congratulations. You have such a good something winner. cool. Yeah, it is. I do. And yeah, and that's all. I mean, that's all I have. I mean, uh, obviously, we were at the Retro Emporium in Kent, Washington, so go there. Uh, if you're in the Tacoma area and you want to learn some jujitsu, <laughs> visit our friend, the jujitsu lawyer, Paul Boudreau at Certified Martial Arts. And uh, you have a book that's for sale.
1: Absolute Zeros Camp Launchpad coming out in March. So hit up all your spots for book uh, pre-orders, be it Amazon, Mars & Noble, uh, or your local comic book store. And uh, get those pre-orders in because every pre-order counts. And we are in that time frame to get those pre-orders in. So do it and jump on it. And as Dan will say... Well,
0: yeah. I mean of course the book comes if you buy the hardcover it comes with an MXPX CD and it smells like vanilla cupcakes.
1: There you go uh, I can't guarantee that you will, uh, you will get either of those things but if you do if you do show up at uh, at the store or at, at a retro or at, uh, at a convention or something like that where I will be at and uh, you do bring a copy of the book and a copy of an MXPX CD I will sign it for you <laughs> so the, the CD that is <laughs>
0: so yeah so there you go it's
1: a ridiculous thing but i i I know somebody's gonna do it just like just like that time just like that time with the uh um uh the the other cd that's too too weird
0: too weird i mean i would definitely recommend that i mean why why wouldn't you
1: i i don't know man i don't know i don't know odd things odd things I, I can't wait till we we cover chapter two for this because it's so good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait either. I mean, it's yeah. going to be fantastic. So we're we're going to cover all the chapters next time. So
1: are we? I don't think we can. We're just going <laughs> to be so much to talk about.
0: Well, it's a new year. It's a new start. We got in some X-Men and Greg got to read his book. So, yeah, we're there. And uh, we look forward to talking with you again in a week. And, yeah, Uh Thanks. We love you.
1: Talk to you later.
0: Yeah, bye. Bye.